Are you ready? Welcome to Radio Grognard, King Size, the OSR podcast with more stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks, old man Grognard here. Hope you're all doing well. It's a nice day. And I have a voicemail to play and a rebuttal. And uh, we will get into that right after this. All right. So um, I've got a voicemail here from Randy from from Randy at Biggest Geekus, and he wants to talk about the level capping I was talking about, and how how maybe some characters should be a little bit more uh, weaponized. I guess it's a bit of a long one, but go ahead, Randy. Glenn, this is Randy from Biggest Geekus on your most recent episode on capping. Um, I'm calling in to disagree, bud. Um, I think the game at higher levels, and I mean really high levels, 12 to 20 or higher, there's a place for it. I'm not a big fan of the Immortal Rules. I uh, played a lot of 3rd Edition and 2nd and 1st. Um, I do think high level is fun. Um, I think sometimes the draw of low level <clears throat> is the games, and it's not a knock. I get it. I'm a DM. They, uh, they're easy to create. Um, the players can only do so much. You know their limitations. When you get to 8th, 10th, 12th, 14th, 15th, 16th level, characters will blow you away with what they can do, not just from the rule book, but from their creativity. To me, that's fun. That's the challenge. But you do have to spend a lot of time thinking about the challenges and the adventures that they might do. That's not a partner. Joe, a biggest geekist, would say, if all the rules were in the book, he'd like to get to them. I and mean, there's bits and bobs. I mean, think about spells. That, you know, if a wizard gets to 15th level, I mean, let me think he can cast 7th level spells by then, or even, you know, 13th level where he gets to disintegrate. I mean, there's things that they want to get to, you know. And like your uh, grandson, uh, Gagin, mentioned, you know, he wanted to get that Pegasus in Hyperborea. Uh, I'm reading that book now. We're going to start playing that. And it ends at 12. And I understand that you can design games where 12 is kind of the ultimate power level. I mean, think of a game like 13th Age. They only have 10 levels. And a 10th level 13th Age character, I mean, he's throwing meteor swarms. So I guess it's all scale. The numbers don't matter. And, of course, you're always welcome to run at your own table. If you say the game starts at eight, stops at 8 or 12, it stops at 8 or 12. And there's lots of fun to be had and good stories to be told. I also think your comment about the wizard and the staff, and, you know, I think you had some good advice uh, that they should have a staff or a weapon to fight with, but I've always found it weird. I know it's fun that, you know, the quirky, I'm a two-hit point wizard and I got one spell, but I also like in Hyperborea how you can get bonus spells based upon your intelligence. I think a wizard should have that to differentiate between a wizard with 16 intelligence and one with 12. I also think that, you know, I think adventurers should be tougher than the average lot. And maybe the wizard needs a few more hit points or some way to really fight. Because the truth is, you can have your staff, and you can have your dagger, and you can have your throwing weapon and high dexterity. But you fight like a goblin at first level. And the 50-50 chance, if you face off a goblin, he's going to kill you or you're going to kill him. It's a flip of a coin, really. So, um, yeah, I think they should be buffed up a little bit. But I get it. They're fun. That, 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 that idea is cool. I think high-level play, too, depends. If you're satisfied with Dominion play or just ruling, I think ending at level 
8, 9, 10, 11, 12 is fine. If you want to do something more exciting or if a character doesn't want to retire or doesn't want to have just a domain, they want to go out and, you know, more than save the world, they want to make massive changes, maybe end up fighting the Terrasque or traveling the plains and doing really exciting things of, you know, massive superheroic proportions. I think you have to carefully craft that and curate that in your campaign, prepare for that from the beginning and see where the play goes. I mean, if you're going to sandbox it, the players may get bored at 10 or 12 and call it. And a lot of players might, but I have players that they like to play high level. So, I mean, they enjoy that super powered, super heroics, almost mega anime type of characters. And so sometimes we, we do, we go that route and I think it's, I think it's fun and to each their own. Uh, anyway, take care, bud. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. I, I'm glad you disagree with me. I mean, you know, to each his own, you got to have two opinions. Everybody's got it. You know, everybody's, there's got to be two sides, as I say. Uh, and also I want to say, I'm glad you're looking at Hyperborea. It is a great game. You guys are just going to love it. If you like first edition, you like, you like that. And as far as the extra spells for intelligence, to me, that's one of the tells that you can tell what the source material was, which is 1E, AD&D, which is okay. I mean, they used to do that all the time. I, I would, my wizards have gotten extra spells from high intelligence. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you have some good points about, about, uh, level capping and things like that. I mean, I've never knocked, you know, mid to high level play. It's just not my jam. If you know what I mean? Um, uh, to me, uh, higher level play is more work than I want to put into it to tell you the truth. Uh, it's just, I mean, I've been in higher level games before. I had a, I had a guy who started a campaign and gave us pre-gens and he threw us into Undermountain and I was ninth level and that was high for me. And I think the fighter was 12th or something like that, but we were just kicking butt and taking names, man. And, but after about the third session, it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it's getting a little too easy. Maybe it was the GM. Maybe he should have thrown us harder stuff at us, but it just, you know, wasn't there. But like I said, and the inventiveness can happen at any level, but the higher level ones are kind of impressive. Even as a game master, I am impressed with some of the stuff that higher level characters come up with. Uh, t but to me, it's like mo low to mid-level, especially that sweet spot, that mid-level sweet spot that I really like. Uh, so... You know, do you do you? I'll do me. We're, we'll we'll play someday. And thanks for thanks for thanks for talking. Thanks for sending that in, Randy. All right. So I want to talk about pay to play. Professional GMs. Just you know, just a, a bit. You know, I is my opinion of professional GMs is nice work if you can get it. But it's hard to get it, as far as I'm concerned. People who make it work, great. I mean, I would, I would love to be a paid GM. I absolutely would. I mean, that would fund a lot of things, especially my convention going. But I'm pretty much, I don't think I could ever be a paid GM, only because of the way I, the way I am, the way, the way I, I treat the game, the way I deal with the game. See what I what I see is <clears throat> you have to keep up with it. And that's my main problem right there. 
I don't want to keep up with it. I'm an OSR GM. I do what I do. I don't want to have to have the big, the the greatest shiny. First of all, I don't have the budget for it. I mean, I've got all my other stuff. I don't I don't have the budget for it. And secondly, even if I did have all the latest shiny or whatever edition it is, I just I I don't want to I don't want to deal with it. To tell you the truth, I mean, yeah, you can modify it and house rule it to kingdom come, but I I just don't see I just don't see the the re- reason. I mean, yeah, the reason is money. You know, you get paid to do it, but I just. I don't know. I'd rather I'd rather make my money some other way. I'd love to make my money GMing if I could be an OSR GM. That's the whole point, you know. You want to play a first edition AD game? I'm right here. You, oh, you want back me? Oh yeah, I got that too. We can play that. Or any clone or anything like that. But I just don't want to be tied to the latest edition. It's it's just something you just keep I mean it's part uh, yeah, it's part of the how shall I say it, the upkeep of the business. But at the same time, I want to give my players an experience they don't get anywhere else or very seldom get anywhere else, especially the people coming over from the latest edition. So, and I can gear my games to that, to show them the difference between their edition and what I run. So there's that. I understand the latest as far as, as far as I can take it. I mean, I played, I'm in a 5e game right now. I played it. I kind of understand what's going on. I kind of I understand the mechanics. And also, I really, I really don't like the current editions because there's just too much stuff. Too much stuff you have to, to deal with. Plus, you have to have all, you have to have all the supplements. You have to have all the rule books. You have to have all the this, that, and the other. And like I said, it's an expense I don't want to deal with. Because I've already got a lot of stuff, and I don't see, I don't see me using these books beyond whatever business I have. Um, but I'm, an, I don't think there's any. Uh, to tell you the truth, I don't think there's any call for old school GMs as far as paid paid GMs go. It's always going to be a volunteer thing. I that's my opinion. I mean, I'd love you know, it's a, it's not an opinion I want to hold. Uh, I. You know, I, it's just the sad. To me, it's a sad fact that you're you're not going to have hardly any OSR paid GMs out there. So that's just something you got to deal with, you know. But anyway, that's my take on paid GMs. Okay, now I want to talk a little bit more about level capping, only from a different perspective. I want to not a, not the player, but I mean, demi-human level capping. You see that in first and second edition. You see that in basic. Uh, you look at the rules cyclopedia, they cap out at something like 10, 12. Some, I think, halflings cap out at 8. But I don't think they should be there. I really don't. Because I understand that they want, want to make this a humanocentric game. That was Gary's goal. But, you know, at least... He gave you the demi humans. I mean, you know, he's got a he's got a play to the audience. He has, you know. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any psionic rules in AD and D, which I wish there wasn't. Uh, so, or there wouldn't be a monk. <laughs> but anyway, anybody who could, I mean, there's no reason that any demi human should have a level cap. I mean, 
For a guy that made it next to impossible to become a bard in first edition, Gary's got some nerve. That's all I got to say. And I know they tried to fix that. And in fact, you know, the current edition, I believe there's no level caps. But back then, back then, it was like, oh, you can only be this level. You can only be so much. You can only, you only get to this, to this point. Because he wanted the humans to shine. And there's no reason why the demi-humans can't shine along with him. I, I kinda, I'm kind of amused by the way uh, the Rules Cyclopedia tried to, tried to do that in one of their appendixes. One of its appendixes. Where it says, okay, you can give the demi-humans no level cap, but you got to take away one of their special abilities or something like that. And why? Why? I can, as a GM, you know, if you think they're too overpowered, if they have, you know, these abilities and no level cap, well, you don't know me as a GM. I can make things a lot tougher for them. Any GM can make it a lot tougher for them. They just got to pay attention. It's not going to unbalance the game. It's not going to destroy your campaign. It's just, just let them go up to whatever level you're supposed to. I mean, yeah, I play Hyperborea where there's nothing but humans. But if there were demi-humans in there, they would reach, they would go 12 levels just like everybody else. I mean, I, I, a while back, I said, I want to use Hyperborea for all my fantasy, all my fantasy stuff. And then, then I, then I read a discard RPG and said, wait a minute. <laughs> but I, I like the tone and feel of Hyperborea. And I came to the conclusion that since this is based on first edition AD and D, I could use this for with uh, whatever fantasy I want. It doesn't have to be in Hyperborea. And what I don't have, like demi humans, I can add because I still have the first edition books plus Osric. So if you want demi-humans in the world, well, here they are. And I they are going up to 12 levels like anybody else. That's the way that's the way to do it as far as I'm concerned. But there is I don't know, there's just it just sticks in my craw that he did that. Um but then again, I'm a cinematic guy. And he was more of a literary guy, so he's he's just trying to emulate whatever whatever fantasy literature he read from Tolkien to Howard to you know whatever. And so you know, and it was like the late seventies, and you know that's that's just the way it was. But there was no reason why any demi human cannot reach the maximum level in whatever game they have, whether it's 12th level or 20th in first edition or Beck Me Rule Cyclopedia's, was it 36 levels? My goodness. But that's that's kind of the way I feel about it. No level caps for demi-humans. No, no. Okay. Let's talk about the road to immortality, by the way. There are several ways you can do it. Um... As depending on what the what this game system lets you do, uh, I have not really delved into it very deep, but I do have a couple of opinions on it. To me, if you're going to run, Im- okay, first of all, there's gods, there's immortals. If you're if you're playing like Beckme, uh, Mistara, there are immortals, and everywhere else, their deities or gods. I don't know why they called them immortals there, because to me, they're one and the same. I'm sure there's differences, but I don't see it. 
But as far as getting there, um, yeah, I, uh, I've seen worse. Let me put it that way. Um, there's a Judges Guild supplement out there. Um, Field Guide to Encounters is a two-book set. And it is probably the most one of the most outrageous things I've ever seen a game company put out. It's got tons and tons of monsters. But it's also got a role-playing system that this group came up with that doesn't really kind of jive, jive with everything. <laughs> but I would use it for the monsters in there. But that aside, they have rules for immortality in there. And... I, I, I think they assume you're going to do the standard 20-level uh, AD&D first edition thing. So they say, once you get down, once you get up to, if I'm, I'm trying to remember this, I'm paraphrasing. Once you get up to 20th level, if you want to become a god, you got to start all over again. You got to get to 20 again. And then you get to petition the gods. You get to... Some some god has to. I think he has to sponsor you or something. It's like going to, yeah. It's like going to the, the the Masons or something. But and then they give you like a quest or two or three, and then you roll a percentile dice. Do you know what chance you have of becoming a deity? One to ten on percentile dice. Oh, and if you don't make it, you could die. You know, and you know, game over, end of game. That's it. You could die. I mean, talk about travelers dying during character creation. That makes it look like a walk in the park. Well, two different things, but you you get the meaning. But yeah, I looked at that and go, there ain't no way in hell I'm using this. And the one, the one immortal rules. I'm going to elaborate on this maybe in a future show, but yeah, there's some fun to ha be had for immortals and watching the characters get up to immortals. But my characters usually retire before then. You know, they live. If usually, if I'm li like my my elf Smitty over in uh, my our labyrinth lord Mistara game, he's he's a lord, he's a lord, and they're playing in Mistara and. He's like at the gates of Thunder Rift because Thunder Rift was like destroyed by something or other. And he's there helping a one of the cleric PCs rebuild and trying to attract people into, into, uh, into Thunder Rift because he wants to re they want to repopulate it, which is, I think it's pretty good. You know, I go off and, you know, he goes off and he does his thing. That's a pretty good retirement, for retiring the character for me. Um, but I never have reached those lofty heights and I never want to run those lofty heights because to me, it's just too damn hard. I mean, I just got to rank, crank it up and crank it up and crank it up. And you just try after a while. It's like, what the heck do I throw? All right, throw a Tarask at him. Go ahead. You know, it may, you know, it may be a fair fight. It may not be a fair fight. I don't know. Depends on how high a level they are and what magic they have. And, all, all those iffy things. To me, going up to higher levels is kind of like, well, you're a teenager while you're going through like first, 
the 20th or whatever. But by the time you get that, all of a sudden, and this is all of a sudden you have kingly, maybe kingly responsibilities, maybe you have a monastery, a thieves guild, whatever. And you have to pay attention to that in addition to adventure, if you want to. It just, like I said, you become an, you basically become an adult with the house, the wife, the kids, the bills, you know, it's the same thing to me. That's why I don't, I don't really like, that's why I'll retire a character. I mean, before, uh, about five, six years ago, I had not had a character higher than eighth level. And that's just the way it is. The campaign stopped and I said, okay, he's, he's retired. Fine. And when we started up with another campaign, I just rolled up a new character. So, you know, I'm kind of in the end game type of mindset where they give you the end game and your character just goes off and does it. But if people play Immortals and they can swing it, yes, you can have a lot of fun. I just can't swing it. I mean, I'd have a lot of fun if I was a player, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. I mean, the best thing I saw was when we played Curse of Strahd and Tomb of Annihilation, and my character got up to 20th level. He retired to Chult. And, you know, he's, you know, the 20th level barbarian in Chult. Perfect. So, you know, and he can, you know, those are one of the characters who can come back every once in a while, if you know, if it's something special or if as an NPC, it always bolsters your NPCs. That's why if anybody's going to retire characters, can I have a copy of your character sheet? And what do you want it for? <laughs> no, no. So I, I might, you know, I, I don't know. I just want to hang on to it. Maybe he's an NPC later. Maybe he's, maybe I could use him as basis for some other character, some other NPCs and like, things like that. There's always good to, to save people's character sheets. I've got tons of them out in the garage somewhere of mine. So every once in a while, I'll mine them to come up with something. Anyway, that's that's my take on that. And I got to go start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognard at gmail.com or drop a voicemail on Anchor. We are monetized. So as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program. I would thank you. Speaking of, oh, for single donations, my Kofi page, ko-fi slash oldmangrognard. And my PayPal tip jar, paypal.me slash oldmangrognard. Let me thank these people who do give to me monthly. Gilbert Soares, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, Benjamin Brodell, John Allen Large, and Aaron. Thank you very much, guys. And for other good podcasters, Dan Gregg's The Young, Y-U-N-G, Young Grognar Podcast, Kevin at the Red Caps Podcast, Daniel Norton's Bandis Keep Podcast, Randy and Joe's Biggest Geekest Podcast, Big John Allen Large's The Red Dice Diaries, and my friend Eric Tinkar's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. You got questions? You got comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. Tune in next time when Radio Grognard King Size is on the air.